So Ben, oh, so Dan, sorry, I beg yeah. your pardon, Dan, <laughs> why did you choose this way of life? It became a natural event, really. I didn't choose it as such. Um, yeah, I used to be part of society and following the rules because I'd quite often broken, so I was put into the place of be, having to follow the rules, doing everything right, you know, pay your rent and have a landlord and have a regular job and everything. And it, it turned out that the support that you need or expect all the support of society that they promise you will be there ends up not being there at all so it, it felt like I was being totally ripped off and digested by society <laughs> so in the end I had enough of it yeah and uh, I was traveling around the country as a digger driver engineering and living in caravans and different places so it got me into the idea of not being attached to a particular street or house or way of being so I'd already been loosened up by by working around the country like that and I, I quite enjoyed going around the country and meeting new people and exploring the world you know, without having to get on an airplane and go into Ibiza I could just go a few miles up the road and it's a completely different world yeah so I, I was quite happy with that and in, in the end, uh, I left my career. I'd had enough. I was being overworked. Uh, yeah, my head wasn't coping. I'd already had a heart attack by the time I was 22 from overworking and stressing out with it. And one day I was just driving to work, going round the car, round about, and something in me told me not to go to work. And I went back up the road, hitched up the caravan and drove out into the countryside and that's where I lived <laughs> and from there it's just a progression of uh, events happening that took me from being horse-drawn living with the travelers building benders to the point where I could build a bender every day and they would go up and down in an instant and so it was free and easy way of doing it once I'd had enough practice in the first couple of benders was I tried to make a castle which isn't very practical at all but being horse-drawn those people put me right yeah <laughs> how did so, you find the land here the land here oh yeah another series of events um we'd been evicted me and my girlfriend from some woodland we were living in very nicely evicted she had a cup of tea with us and everything and then we moved from there to somebody's place with horses and full of promises oh yeah it'd be perfect we'd love to have you here and everything but they just wanted to rip us off and use us like slaves so we were looking for a place to live and whilst we were there a friend from the village here came to visit us and needed us to sort out some paperwork with him so we came to the village and whilst they were sorting out the paperwork I took the dog for a walk and I was coming across the track of Velendirch at the top. Back then it looked really old, really like a riverbed stream the track was, trees overhanging and I thought wow what is that world of adventure down there? So when I went back to see my girlfriend and Mark I asked Mark uh, what's down the track there? up the road 
he said there was a bunch of hippies living down there, boy. So that was it. Put the dog back on the lead and off I went. <laughs> knocked on the door. Yeah, uh, I knocked on the door and off she came out. And we got to talking. I told her about living in the bender and looking for a place to live. And she was having a hard time with the people at the time then. So she was quite happy to have somebody new uh, come and live on the land and help her out with it. So, yeah, that was the opportunity that we were looking for. How long ago was that? Twenty, at least 23, probably 25 years ago. Time is a bit wibbly-wobbly. <laughs> yeah, quite a long time ago. I'd never stopped in any one place for more than a year. So being here full-time for so long it's been it's been a lot of changing my ways yeah to accept the permanence of it I still now don't accept it if I can put all the things I need my bedroll my tarpaulin my bosal my axe all the basics if I can put my burner all in a wheelbarrow and wheel it away then I feel like I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. How many acres has Oshi got here? Oshi's got 16 with this place as well, 16 all together. And did you choose your spot here? It chose me, yeah. I lived more by the river, closer to Velin. I was on Velin land then. This place was uh, more isolated on its own. and it, it didn't feel right to come over here straight away. It took a few years to feel accepted by the place, to be able to put my bender up. And yeah, once I started working and rebuilding the banks and things, it felt like it accepted me and wanted me here. So I stayed here. And over the years, the more I've put into the place, the more the place is holding on to me. And the more I become part of it the hedges, the banks, all the life that I've put into it as it grows, I feel more attached to it, yeah. Why did you choose a bender out of all the different ways of living? A bender is it's very simple, it's easy to make. It, basically I can take my bow saw and my axe for a walk, I can find the poles that I need myself, I'm not relying on the building company. I don't need a bank account to pay for the building company. I can just go out into the countryside and find the materials I need to make my home. And instead of living in some shed that somebody's got available or putting up with really poor conditions, I can make my home my palace. I, I can put a burner in and a bed in and a kitchen in it and it's got all the comforts that you need to survive. I don't need walk-in showers or anything like that. If I want a walk-in shower, I soak myself up and go out in the rainstorm. <laughs> shower for free. But yeah, when you're living with very little money in your pocket, uh, housing becomes a very serious problem. Yeah, yeah, because a lot of places are very unaffordable and not really in a suitable place for me either. I could move into a, a flat or a bedsit or a house in town, 
but having epilepsy, it becomes a very dangerous situation. There's lots of concrete and sharp edges and furniture to fall onto and end up in hospital with a head fracture. Uh, so living out here in the mud with my soft bender and my soft ground, I'm going to live until my kids have had children themselves. <laughs> yeah. And how many children do you have? I have two boys, yeah. And were two they both children. born in this bender? They were, James, my first son, was born in a bender. We had to compromise with that. The midwife wasn't prepared to walk over the fields and the river to this. So we made a, a bender in a garden of some, somebody's house in the village. So the, it made the midwife happy. She could pull up in the car and get to us. Yeah. <laughs> she envisioned rainstorms coming and creating big floods and not being able to get Rachel across if we needed to. So, yeah, we had to compromise with that. But yeah, he was still born in a bender on the solstice, a real magical time and a cosmic birthing. Yeah, yeah. Although he's not very cosmic, he might be one day. <laughs> yeah. And can you tell me about the animals that come in here? You have some, um, there's different types, like you get um, weasels and, and rats. Yeah, occasional rat visitors at the time of year when they come back from the common. I've got uh, voles, short-tailed voles, and a whole range of voles coming through. And lots of shrews, I love the shrews, the, the way they sing to each other across the bender. If you could record their voice, just a little trill, and slow it down and stretch it out, you would find loads of words and syllables and possibly even sentences of what they're communicating in a tiny data burst of sound. They live at such a fast rate that sometimes they run across the floor and you barely notice them because they're, they're going faster than 25 frames per second. So in an instant they're here and then there. And so they're, they're obviously way faster. Their heartbeat, their mentality, everything about their life is faster than we can perceive sometimes. So yeah, I, I, like, the, I like them. And of course, with the shrews, the weasels love to eat the shrews and they come around and harvest them. Sometimes they come and sit out on the floor and check me and my children out. And we've fed the, the weasels little bits of sausage meat and, and things. And yeah, they're quite good fun. <laughs> they, they're the cleanup crew. <laughs> and we've had toads coming in and living in here in the winter, croaking in the side wall and he eats beetles and insects that live in, in the edges that we can't see anymore. I've also got a range of um, hairy wolf spiders, Lo lots of wolf spiders up, up in the walls, there's cobwebs, lots of females breed in here and sometimes get little leg sacks, but they live down at the back, back edge really. But yeah, spiders are great, I love them. They eat the flying insects, there's lots of flying insects around here with all the water and they suck your blood and pass on parasites and disease. So the spiders take care of them for me. <laughs> I could sleep for free and easy night's sleep without being raided for my blood. <laughs> but how do you heat it and insulate it? I've got an um, un underlay carpet insulation, which is the old hairy horsehair 
insulation. I've got two layers of tarpaulin on top of that and on the inside just woolly blankets. You know, wool is safer than nylon. Nylon's obviously flammable, so wool is a lot safer than that. But now and again it's good to hoover it because you get dust on the wool. If you get a candle near the dust, it's like a flash flame. It goes woof up the wall in a second. <laughs> yeah, so it's a bit scary. <laughs> but if you keep that clean, you're good. It's, it's quite safe and very, very cosy as well. And the wood burner, I've got um, an old wagon stove, a gypsy wagon stove called the Caledonia Queen. And it, it's been the heart of my family for years now, since it got passed to me by a gypsy family. It's been the best burner I've ever had. I can burn anything I want in it really and it'll, it'll stay in overnight. It cooks chips, it cooks whatever I want on there. I've, I've had multiple pots passing them around on top of the burner but we've managed it when times are hard and you can't afford gas or anything else you know just go and cut some wood find some wood in the hedgerow and cook your dinner that way yeah so it's essential survival having a wood burner and what kind of wood are you using for the actual bender itself the the wood i use is hazel wood because it's long and it's got a consistent thickness from top to bottom quite often so it gives it a flexibility as well as a strength about it. Um, yeah, it doesn't need to be so much wood as some people think. If As long as you've got horizontals as well as verticals, it, it pads it out. And it, it's good enough to hold up against the wind. Sometimes, uh, before I had furniture, the bender would get walloped by the wind the wind would come along and create a huge turbulent pocket up above squash the bender almost flat and then we'd lift it up into the sky <laughs> it was terrifying but now having a baby cot and a double bed and i've got my sideboards it holds the bender really solid now so it all wobbles and shakes but it stays up now how yeah. does it stay up how do you attach everything together drill holes yeah i've got um what we call a ridge pole in in a quick easy bender you just put one hoop from one side to the other and lock them in together and that creates a hoop and but that we do it like that so we can take it apart and stack it up in a neat bundle and for traveling it's essential like that but when you're living more permanently a ridge pole is ideal because you can stretch a ridge pole from one end to the other and it'll hold the bender up when it gets snow on it. It'll hold it up when the wind attacks it. Plus you can use uh, shorter hazel poles. These ones are eight foot long. And that's what grows around here. We don't have very, very good hazel trees around here. They're not very tall. So the shorter pole is what's available. So the ridge pole basically was to make that happen and make it work. What's yeah. the size of this bender? 16 foot long by 8 foot wide which is when it's empty with no furniture it's huge if you're living on the floor and just got a little bed yeah i had loads of room in here it was fantastic it was me and my dog and we had all this room to lie about <laughs> you have a sound system what kind of music do you listen to what's your favorite oh it's my favorite that's a good question when I'm partying, 
it could be techno depending on the party i love techno i love drum and bass i love that real spiritual hardcore dancing where you're connecting with everyone around you and the cosmos and we're all in it together i I love that that's my favorite kind of music but i love all sorts i love things from the 50s to 40s rock and roll i love rock and roll bill haley and all the skiffle groups and things that's great because it's like heart music it's full of happy and doing it <laughs> yeah uh, yeah I, I listen not so much modern music there's a lot of whaley men and whaley women all singing the same stuff churning it out it's just more of the same crap isn't it <laughs> how old are you dan i've got to be 52 now yeah, yeah. I mean, do you think about the future and what you'll do when you're much older? Will you try and be in a bender for the rest of your life? I'm quite happy living the way I am, definitely, yeah, yeah. If I was to upgrade to a house or even a even a stonewall cottage, it would mean a lot more expense. It means more fuel, for one thing, so I'd burn a lot more fuel because it takes a lot more heat to warm up a, a house. And stone walls are notorious for sucking it out. Uh, yeah, it would cost me a lot more, so it means I would have to work harder and work for longer hours to be able to afford to live in the house. So, yeah, as long as I'm living in the bender, I've, I've got free time that I can give back to nature, working on the common and the banks and ditches and things, as well as being able to go to work. And as long as I've got enough to eat and feed the sheep and feed the kids, then I don't need anything else. So it gives me a little bit more time to give to other people. I do a lot of things for people for free as well. I love doing that, yeah. Well, can I ask what your main job is then, your main work every day? Do you look after sheep? Yeah, every day. <laughs> In the mornings, at the minute, I've got a molly lamb, bottle feeding molly lamb. So I'm still taking care of that. Uh, the other sheep are quite independent in the mornings now because we're coming out of winter grass is growing again but when the winter comes i'll be back to feeding them twice a day every day with the hay and the mud and water buckets a lot of washing down keeping things clean i've got feed troughs i wash every time i use them to keep the sheep healthy they've got enough to deal with with the mud and the rain so yeah i do my part and keep them as healthy as i can but it takes a lot of effort if i had a nine to five job and that it can get quite stressful I I was doing that for quite a few years working throughout the day and then running around in the evening after I fed the kids it would be pitch black and I'd go out and do the hay nets and put the feed down for the sheep but it was like chaos and I was only sleeping four or five hours a night after I'd finished everything and it was hard work you could do that in your 40s in your 50s you need to calm down a bit boy (laughs) where do you get your water from you have a well i've got a well yeah i dug myself it's uh fed by underground spring water so yeah i've I've got good clean water most of the time unless it's winter and the neighbors are infecting it with their horse stuff and everything else but yeah most of the time it's pretty good and do you do you forage for food I've taught my boys how to forage, yeah, but believe it or not, this isn't England where weeds grow 13 foot tall. Out here, 
we could have eight foot to ten foot of rain a year and it washes out so many nutrients and we're mineral deficient up in these hills anyway because of the old volcano and the granite we're quite deficient in selenium cobalt magnesium there's a whole bunch of stuff missing so when you're looking for wild food you gotta go over a big area to make up a meal and if you're doing it regular it gets quite sparse especially now there's not so many rabbits and you know the fish the fish in the river used to be as long as ram there used to be salmon in the river there used to be eels in the river uh trout that you could eat there was a whole range of food living around here back in the past not very long ago but it's with the modern soaps and soap powders and chemicals in the houses the river's dying off and there's less and less fish for eating even though um you're not allowed to fish in the river because it's poaching people around here yeah, that's how they survived they, they survived on cowl which was vegetables from the garden whatever meat they had at the time and and fish was always a break from cowl and the roast if they had a roast if they were lucky yeah so fish was essential around here yeah. but now the fish is gone there's less wild food to eat unless you want to eat mice and voles and I wouldn't eat them all, so they are disgusting. <laughs> <laughs>